Thursdays. Every Thursday. Love Wednesdays every Thursday. It's Friday, and we gave you an episode on Tuesday. And if you're confused by this, that's fine. Apparently, somebody stole Doctor Doom's time platform, or is using the time gem from the Infinity Gauntlet, or whatever. But that's comics, and that's what we do. So we're here. What up, chilling? What's going on, Cuz? In an effort to further confuse our audience, I must point out that it is Doppelganger Freaky Friday at that. So we've got no less than three comic books where the comic book characters have encountered themselves within the book or something close to. Shit, I, I, I read one of those, uh, the, the, Spider, the Amazing Spider-Man uh, this week. I'm sure that's one of the ones you're talking about, but what, what else did that happen in? Well, Daredevil uh, runs into his blind uh, doppelganger, pseudo-twin brother, Mike Murdoch. And uh, in Catwoman <laughs> number two... Did you, say, did you say Mike Murdoch? I, I, did say, I did say Mike Murdoch, and he's a womanizer who uh, is apparently the twin brother of Matt Murdoch. And that's as much as I know right now, man. I'm going to have to wait until, you know, further books to figure the rest out. But Catwoman also... Uh, ran into a whole bunch of other cat women uh, this week. So it is Freaky Friday on We Love Wednesdays every Thursday. Ah, you you took my advice and read Catwoman number two. I did. I did. I was hoping that you would just read Catwoman number one because that's where I stopped. But <laughs> we, I, I still have to read Catwoman number two myself, but we're definitely going to let you talk about it because... I just want to see if you're as excited as I am because I think uh, that that book is fantastic. It's a rare week where I feel like uh, who's the Hulk's who's the not abomination who's the Hulk's like super smart nemesis. The leader. I feel like I feel like the leader right now. I feel like that's what my head has become because I've read I've read everything this week, but there's a few books that I'm excited to talk about. What are you excited to talk about this week? Yo, this this week was just cool. I mean, like we missed last week because we we had that interview with Vita Ayala and they were amazing. So thank you for that. Um, but but yeah, so we missed last week as far as talking about what books were fresh and new for us. Um, so I did want to touch on the Cape um, because that's made a return. I don't know if you knew this or not, but tell me more. Uh, you know Joe Hill's the cape. You know the dude that uh, you know has the argument with his girlfriend. Like he, they're always fighting, and uh, he finds that that childhood cape, and it gives him the superpower to fly, and he's like super strong. So he gets to he takes his girl on a a, a trip, a one way trip, <laughs> if, so to speak, where he brings her up like super high and then drops her. I have okay. First of all, that sounds awesome. Second of all, I have no idea what you're talking about. What is this? Oh my book? God. We talked about this a long time ago. So this is a, just for audience sake. I just want to point out and I'm not I'm not ragging on you, Rob. This is something that you'll admit freely. This is this is Roberto's memory. My, I have I have zero memory. Uh, yeah, we. I mean, you and I actually loved this book when it was introduced. We talked about it ad nauseum uh, and we were so mad that it was just one issue. Uh, because it was a one-issue book. It was by Joe Hill, uh, the son of C Stephen King, for those that don't know that. Um, when did the, the King number one come out? 
Uh, the Cape number one came out uh, uh, rough, roughly. Uh, I want to say at least seven years ago. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know, I know, I know. I know. Seven I know. weeks My ago, like there's no way I'm remembering it. <laughs> I'm sorry. My brain works like that. Yours doesn't. I apologize. Um, I mean, the details escape me. I don't know exactly like what year it was or whatever, but um, I know it was a while ago. Um, and it took seven years for the Cape 2 to come out. Yeah, and it's like, it's. I, I think it's just because Joe Hill wasn't trying to write any more of, of the book, but somebody else came along with a story that was good enough and kind of got his approval. Um, and, you know, here we are with a, with a new story, and it's actually really dope. Is this is this a book that I have to go and buy? Is this? Are you suggesting that I check this out? I am suggesting that you check it out. I, I don't want to give anything away. Uh, I'm suggesting that you definitely refresh your memory on the first one. Yep. Uh, before you do this, that you have an idea who the character is, because that is very it plays a very important role in where they're going with this book. It's because uh, the character, all the character development happens in the first in the first issue, like the first issue of uh, the only issue of the Cape, the first uh, iteration, you know who this character is. He's basically just a scumbag, like a douchebag. Uh, <laughs> but it's, it's great. It's like a douchebag gets superpowers. And this is exactly what a douchebag would do with those superpowers. And this book kind of just continues that. And it's not a feel good book. It's not like a funny book. It's definitely got a real dark side to it. And it's not even dark humor. It's just, it's just dark. Um, but it's great. You you would love it because it's very realistic and it's very uh, it's disturbing. <laughs> you would love it. It's scumbag humor and disturbing. So Roberto written all over it. <laughs> it's, it's right up your alley. Um, Listen, man. Uh, if if we're talking about scumbag weird superhero humor, um, I've got to give you credit where credit's due. Uh, my first book, man, you gave me a recommendation and it sounded stupid to me because I'm not into the cosmos level books uh, and uh, let alone Punisher in space in the future or something mind bending like this. You know what I'm talking about here? Oh, yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much for reading that. Um, and, I, and I'm sure that uh, Donnie Cates is going to also appreciate you picking this up and reading it uh yeah ghost rider cosmic ghost rider one and two correct i read so i read cosmic ghost rider one and two which sounds like and by the way it's not you know catch it's not blaze it's not uh it's not roberto uh that's his name right the, the most recent one uh, oh. robbie reyes right yes it's not robbie reyes. roberto is his name right like if we're gonna yeah. be like it's, if we go back to when he was a child and they named him, yes, Roberto. I'm just I'm just saying as a Latino, I, I Latinx generation, I'm not letting people call me Robbie. Uh, but anyway, that's his thing. That's cool. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, no, this this Ghost Rider is uh, Francis Castle. This is our Frank Castle. This is the Punisher who has had some experiences traveling with uh, a grown ass Thanos. And uh, this is a Punisher who has uh, found himself in uh, Valhalla and uh, Odin sends him out on a quest. And next thing you know, just like going to murder baby Hitler, right? Like that thing, like, do, would you murder baby Hitler in order to prevent the Holocaust? Uh, it occurs to him 
to uh, to go back and murder baby Thanos. And uh, and uh, an adventure ensues. I got to tell you, I, spoiler alert, uh, he goes, he decides that uh, it would be a better idea for Frank Castle to redeem Thanos by teaching him the right way. So Frank Castle is going, <laughs> the psychopath Frank Castle yes. thought it'd be a good idea to raise baby Thanos <laughs> himself. It's and amazing. It, it is It is pretty amazing. I always have a yeah, but, and my very tiny yeah, but is uh, this uh, cosmic ghost rider, uh, it doesn't read to me, his voice doesn't make sense to me. It doesn't read to me like ghost rider. It doesn't read to me like Frank Castle. It reads to me like uh, somebody wanted us to read a funny Guardians of the Galaxy kind of adventure. And it is, and it's amazing, and it's probably much better this way, although I, I'm not seeing a lot of Frank Castle in his decision-making or, uh, or in his voice, the things that he says. You know, he's, he's way too funny to me to be a Frank Castle, but that's, that's almost out the window because who cares? <laughs> he's off yeah. on these crazy adventures. Uh, I mean, none of it makes sense. Hard. None of this book makes sense. None of it. Let's just let's just put that on the table. But it's fun. And the but the other the other part of that too is that I I can definitely see that just like just like people had a problem with Luke Skywalker's development uh, in the Last Jedi, and I didn't. I can also see that this is Frank Castle slash Ghost Rider in the far flung future. So who knows what he's been through and what that character has encountered that may have changed him and may have changed his personality, may have changed his, his sanity, so to speak. Yeah. Um, so, so who knows? Like, there could have been a lot of character developments. And, and if he's exactly the same person, you know, 20 years from now or 40 years from now, then that's some pretty shitty storytelling, in my opinion, because you want this character to have some kind of development, right? Nobody, nobody wants the formula, right? Like, we've got old man Logan... And then they made old man Hawkeye. And it's almost like, what would old man Punisher look, look like? And then somebody else was like, I'll tell you what. Yeah. <laughs> and, Nothing and like I'm, he does now. I'm so happy that somebody broke the mold and did something fresh with a recurring theme that they've already had. You know what I mean? Like they're doing the old man stories. And, and this dude just took it in a completely new direction. And it's fresh and funny and exciting and amazing. You're tripping balls while you're at it. It's so good. It is so good. Can I give you a, can I make a minor correction and something that you said when you started? I, probably, I probably need like 10 corrections, but go ahead. When you started tell, talking about this, you said that he finds himself in Valhalla and Odin sends him on a quest. I think yeah. you are underselling that just a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> just a little bit because Odin did not send him on a quest oh, kicked Odin him the kicked fuck out, out of Valhalla oh, Odin kicked his ass out there's, there's a million things around there that like I'm, I'm not even touching stuff for example like one of the <laughs> one of my favorite uh, quotes is baby Thanos says uh, here comes a baby spaceman and it's a mystery, right? Who's the baby spaceman? But if you're thinking about a spaceman who's a baby in the Marvel universe, like who comes to mind, right? Like they hit the nail on the head with everything in this book. Um, and, and we could talk about it all day. It's just amazing and fun. And you've never been more right. You've literally never been more right than, hey, check out 
uh, Cosmic Ghost Rider. Thank you. I appreciate that. Um, for, for me, another, another biggie was, uh, and this is, this is really, it's a funny story, kind of. Like, it's not hilarious. You're not going to slap your knees. But I walk into the comic book store, and on the shelf, I see Spider-Man. And it says number one. And then I look, and I see Miles Morales' costume. And I'm like, yo, yo. And I'm like, I'm, I'm like doing a dance. And I'm like, yeah, boy. Right? Like, had no idea that there was going to be another Miles Morales book this soon. So I'm like, and you word. Text- I grab it. I buy it. I get home. I texted you. I said, you texted yo. me your excitement. And yeah. then I told you to calm your ass down. <laughs> <laughs> you said, you said, yo, it's an annual. <laughs> my, my, yo, my heart sunk. I said, what the fuck did I just buy? And then I read it, and it was actually fantastic, and I'm glad that I got it. So I normally do not like annuals at all because they always feel like a throwaway book, uh, in my opinion, anyway. I mean, some, sometimes, they, sometimes they hit it out the park, uh, and sometimes it's really worth picking up the annual, but I stopped picking them up a long time ago because it's just like the annuals are usually like, oh, here's a story that can uh, maybe fill in some space, and who really gives a fuck about it? Uh, but this one was actually a cool story. What'd you think of it? You hit the nail on the head when you described it to me offline as uh, this was kind of like his moment of with great power comes great responsibility. Um, can you tell me more about that? Yeah, well, I mean, like this was basically like, so So Peter Parker gets bit by the spider. He goes, he becomes a pro wrestler or whatever. And he lets this criminal escape. That criminal ends up killing his uncle Ben blah, blah, blah. You know the rest of the story. Um, in this one, I, I feel like we had his ultimate universe origin in a way. And actually, we kind of didn't. We kind of didn't have his ultimate universe origin. We actually just had him showing up and fighting the goblin. Um, we knew what his origin was. He was kind of bit by this other spider um, and became like, you know, like Spider-Man and had Spider-Man's powers. But we didn't have that moment where he put on his his you know his uh, homemade costume and you know went out and you know tried to save somebody and so on and so forth. This was that moment for him, like because he gets like dressed up in this like you know this costume that kind of looks like a a Scarlet Spider style costume, um, which was you know something that they had been uh, he'd been trying on some clothes in a pop up shop, and then. Uh, some shit happens and he has to try and save somebody and he fails. But in the process, like the whole story is like him getting these conflicting ways of looking at life. Uh, and he has to make a decision as to which person he's going to be. And ultimately he chooses to be a hero, which, which brings us to the miles Morales that we all know and love. So it's basically like his little origin story uh, in a, in a bubble. And I, I thought it was really well done. What's, what's so funny about that is uh, when you refer to the, you know, the, the Spider-Man wrestling, uh, the Peter Parker wrestling, and he's got his like homemade costume that he kind of goes out and it's like my first Spider-Man costume. So yeah, we get that here too. And what's really cool is I, I have that, right? Like I've got these bait hoodies and you know, this dude who lives out in the hood, like I actually rock hoodies and the ones that zip all the way up, they almost do feel like a, a bootleg superhero costume, right? Yeah. Uh, so it was really cool to see him 
in that same type of hoodie that I have, except he's got, you know, his powers and stuff. But what was I mean, it's just, they're just in reality, they're just convenient bank robbing suits. I mean, let's be honest. <laughs> Although I haven't really seen them used that way, right? Like, <laughs> uh, I, what else I found really interesting is that you and I both came away with the same words. When you said that, when you said that this is his great power, uh, with great power comes great responsibility, I was thinking the same thing and yet in a completely different context from a completely different perspective because he also interacts with his uncle Aaron who's who's our version of uh, or his version of um the uh no it, well yeah i'm i was gonna that's where i'm going with this right well, but it's not his version of aunt may <laughs> <laughs> no i'm talking about um i'm talking about the prowler it's it's that oh it, yes 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 He's he's this neo prowler from the ultimate universe, um, but yeah, it's also his version of Uncle Ben, and he he too gives Miles advice just like Uncle Ben gives Peter advice, except his advice is rejected ultimately by Miles. So instead of it being an internal driving force, it's an external guiding factor of of repellent. It's Miles saying, "This is not how I want to live my life," as opposed to the with great power comes great responsibility, the acceptance of that. Miles rejects him. Just like we can all, we, we've all been told something that we know is wrong or, or like you're never going to make it, that kind of thing, and that drives us. He had that negative experience with, with Uncle Aaron, his Uncle Ben. So, yeah, I also came away from this from a completely different reason, thinking this was his with great power comes great responsibility moment. Right. And, and I don't think either one of us are wrong. No, I, yeah, I agree. I, and I, I, yeah, I just, I, I really liked it. I really liked uh, the voice that was given to Uncle Aaron, um, you know, by Brian Hill. He's, he's the writer uh, of, of this one-shot annual thing. He also writes uh, Postal Laura for a Top Cow, um, or co-writes it, I think. Yeah. Um, but it's, it was just cool. Like, I... I I didn't know it was Uncle Aaron at first. I feel silly because when he was like, happy birthday, Miles, like I'm, I'm not, I'm not thinking it's Uncle Aaron because I'm thinking it's modern day. I didn't think it was in the past, but I thought it was his dad. And I was like, yo, why is he two weeks late? Why is, why is Miles' dad two weeks late? Why are we? And automatically my brain went to this place where Marvel, since Brian Michael Bendis is gone, Marvel is now going to make Miles Morales like this, like, typical stereotype where where dad's a deadbeat or or doesn't care as much as he should and uh that wasn't the case it, it was actually uncle aaron and it actually made perfect sense that he would be two weeks late that uh, is every one of my uncles <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah um so so yeah no bravo i mean brian hill did a great job there were a couple of moments in the book and we talked about them before uh that made me kind of raise an eyebrow but they were forgiven um i want I want to hold your horses with the Bravo because uh, we just talked about Cosmic Ghost Rider, your recommendation, which was amazing. I so so I want to be cautious with the Bravo. I want to say that for an annual, this was the best use of an annual that I've seen in a long, long time. Uh, it was a good book. <laughs> you know what I mean? No, I can, I can, I feel like I can celebrate somebody having a successful run at a character without overhyping this individual and saying hey you need to check out everything he's ever written i mean i think it's i think i think yeah i think i think i can definitely say you know brian hill did a great job with this right and and yeah. and 
it deserves some looking into to see his other work. I mean, I, I'm probably going to. Uh, Shame on me for trying to cool that down. I didn't mean to try to cool it down and knock it down a peg. I was just reserving my my round of applause because I feel like uh, I'm too high right now on so many other amazing things from last week's interview to some of the other books that we read this week. Right. Agreed. Can I uh, can I can I stay on the Spider-Man theme? Go for it. So uh, Spider-Man, uh, Amazing Spider-Man number two, right? Ryan Otley? Three. Is it three? Yeah, that was number three that we just read. It was. Yeah, you're right. You're right. It was number three. Number one, he's got Robbie as a new roommate and uh, re-encounters Mary Jane. Number two, it ends up with him facing his doppelganger. And number three picks up from there and tries to add science as to why there's a Peter Parker and Spider-Man and why they are separate beings right now. So yeah. Peter Parker and Sp his Spider-Man persona, it's almost like they've... Uh, it's almost like they've been torn apart into two separate human beings. And uh, Peter Parker no longer carries Spider-Man and Spider-Man is no longer Peter Parker. Peter Parker is also a little bit dumber. Like <laughs> it's kind of like the movie twins, right? Where, where like one of them's like big and strong and the other ones, you know, uh, th like they split the embryo. Yes. Uh, and and it was interesting. And here's the thing, man. Uh, I've got I'm talking to talking to the people on the street, talking to my homies who who read this stuff. Uh, they are big fans. When I was pessimistic about this book, so after number two, after number one, I had some reservations. After number two, I had some reservations. And I, they they raised they they made some good points as to why this book is awesome. I still I, have I'm with oh, just to be. Just to kind of like, I don't mean to interrupt you, but I want to no, let I, you know that I am on your friend's side on this. I, I am having a blast reading this. It's it's definitely fun. It's definitely fun. Uh, they they attempted to give the current events some scientific explanation that was like either do it or don't either make it scientifically plausible or don't bother with the scientific explanation and just stick with the fun stuff for me. Uh, that would have helped a little bit because their scientific explanation. I was like, why are you going to make me read your scientific explanation if it's kind of silly? Um, I don't know. Maybe that's part of the fun. I don't know. I don't, I don't want to be that guy, I, right? Again, I'm raining on the yeah. parade. I'm still... I, so, so as he's off on a double date in this particular issue, and that's a lot of the fun, seeing him out there having fun and flirting and a lot of the things that we can relate to in our lives... Um, I'm still wondering why it has to be Mary Jane. And that's still a puzzling choice for me. Now, you told me to give this guy the benefit of the doubt because he deserves it based on previous experience. And I agree with that. I'm a fan of Otley's. And I was talking about why did he just kill this elephant at the beginning of the book if he's not going to go anywhere with it? Well, they brought it up again in this book. So it seems like it's leading to something. I just don't know what. So I feel like you're right to give him benefit of the doubt. But in the meantime, I would be uh, I, I would be negligent if I didn't talk to our listeners about some of those doubts. And right now, I can't help but wonder, how did he get out of this deal with Mephisto over his love for Mary Jane, right? Like, they're not supposed to be together ever again. I mean, that was part of the deal. We know that they will ultimately be together again. But, like, what ha I, I seem to have missed what happened and why he can just automatically be with Mary Jane again, despite all of the reasons why they shouldn't 
and can't be together. So what I guess what I'm trying to say is, and Mary Jane never made sense for me as a character anyway. So I guess what I'm trying to say is, why does it have to be Mary Jane? Why can't it be a new character or uh, any other character? I'm just wondering why Mary Jane seems to be force fit into this into this book when she was doing so good in the Iron Man book, which is sorely missing her right now. Well, what I can say is I feel like I have no answer for that. <laughs> Wait and find and, out. Benefit of the yeah, doubt. Yeah. yeah just follow, follow the story and see where he goes. I am sure that Nick Spencer, the professional writer that he is, will have answers for you. Or he won't. <laughs> who gives right. a shit? Who gives a shit, right? Like, just enjoy the story. Like, kind of let it go, right? Because, because I feel like this feels forced yeah. to have her back in the book. And it also felt forced to yank her out of his life. It, it, it was like, you know, you have her in his life. That was his story. Then you pull her out. That was kind of forced to kind of get him back to back to basics. Right. And there was no real resolution there. And now all of a sudden she's back. And who really cares why? I mean, it is it just it's just another chapter in Peter Parker's life for me. Uh, so I'm not I'm not really not really giving a shit. It's kind of like kind of refreshing to have Peter and MJ back. But I also feel like this this choice to have her back is part of the story where he's separated from the Spider-Man part of him, right? So like he's separated from he's separated from all the spider abilities and all that stuff. So like the good part of that for him is that now he gets to try and have that normal life that he's always that's always eluded him. Yeah, I'll be honest, I've I've actually I did consider that that I did consider that like what is this particular change going to do to his relationship with Mary Jane and will they actually have a shot now and all that stuff. I think I think then you know, I'm worn down as a longtime reader of the quick pulling of the rug from underneath us. And I think I've seen too many times where there's a good story being told and the creative team, team changes and all of a sudden it's just kind of gone. And I'd refer you back to Cindy Moon and his relationship with Cindy Moon, which there was so much that they left to explore. Like that could have been a really cool thing. Not forever. It doesn't have to be forever. But but. I wanted a lot more of that. So, okay, they took that away. And then, you know, most recently he's dating um, Mockingbird, right? Uh, Bobby Morse. And that was pretty cool. And I understand that everything in his life changed, but they quickly transitioned out of that too. And I wanted a lot more of that. Like there's a lot left to explore there. And now it's back to, you know, Mary Jane and old familiar territory. And I'm, I think I'm becoming bitter because some of these there's an opportunity to lay roots and grow a really cool story and i feel like sometimes they're closing those out really quickly especially when they're changing creative teams yeah and and, the, and it all comes down to the creator having a feeling that that is the right relationship for him you know what i mean like i feel like as as a creator if you're writing and it doesn't feel right to you you can't write that person as the as a good fit well, so, I think it comes back to what you just said, right? Like, he's got this story that he's telling where he's separating Spider-Man from Peter Parker, and what's that going to do with his relationship? And Mary Jane's probably the best of the characters to tell that story with. So, right. And, but, and, and you know that it's going to get to a point where 
they're enjoying their relationship. And it's going to turn out that other Peter, uh, you know, just doesn't have the morals that Peter has. Obviously, it's starting to look that way already. And, right. And he's going to have to. Sona. And when that happens, what is that going to do to their relationship? Right. It seems now like he's Sp- going to make a choice between MJ and Spider-Man. Yeah, it's so it's it's been very fun so far. I got to admit, it's been very fun. It's been very cool. Uh, you know, some of it doesn't seem to fit well with me, but otherwise it's been fun and cool. So I can't, I, I have to give reserve benefit of the doubt, but in the meantime, I cannot decide whether or not I love or hate the book either way. That's another buy for me, right? Like that's another thing to, that's worth checking out. That's the controversy. Uh, Vita tends to work with a colorist, Stellaria. Um, so I really love the color work in um in submerged and i really loved it uh because Stelladia actually did issue number four of the wilds um so i i kind of wanted to look up what else they've done um and turns out that they actually had a book come out this week on comiXology it's called teenage wasteland oh i have not seen this yes and teenage wasteland is really dope it's about um bunch of teenagers that actually what you would consider bad kids i guess kind of like breakfast club material like always in detention you get the sense that it's this book is just going to be about these these four or five teenagers just breaking the rules and just not doing what they're supposed to you just think it's going to be a wild party the whole time but then it turns out that they're actually uh uh like a power rangers power puff girl slash uh sailor moon crew you know, flying around in, on, on magic horses and saving the world from evil magic threats. And <laughs> it's just, it's bizarre. Uh, the, the dialogue is actually really, you know, spot on, uh, exciting. And it's, and again, you know, Stellaria is like killing it with the colors uh, and making it just a very vibrant and, uh, and fun book to read. So I just wanted to definitely put that on your radar. Um, yeah. And if you want to talk about like inclusivity, <laughs> this book just has it all, man. I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to check. Who published? Uh, this is by Comicsology. Comicsology is uh, putting out their own books now. Uh, if you don't know what Comicsology is, it's a digital platform for comics. You can just you know subscribe to whatever comics you want. Uh, comics generally cost about what they cost in the store, uh, but you can get them digitally and have them downloaded straight to your 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 mobile device um, using the app and the app actually has like a guided presentation. So when you tap on a, on a panel, it'll actually guide you to the next panel and fill in the words as you're supposed to read them. So it's almost like watching your comic instead of reading it. Um, so it's, it's pretty cool. It's a pretty cool thing. Uh, and they, and this is their own line of books um, <clears throat> called Comicsology originals. I will have to check that out. Yep, definitely dope. Um, I, I I wouldn't pass on it. The um, the the lineup, the creative lineup is Magdalene Visaggio, uh, Jen Vaughn, and Stellaria. Uh, <clears throat> so uh, Magdalene Visaggio is actually someone who's who's written uh, Kim and Kim, which is, if you haven't read, is pretty cool. Um, Eternity Girl for Vertigo. 
Yep. Um, or the D- that DC, uh, I think it's Young Animals actually now instead of Vertigo. But um, it's uh, the My Chemical Romance lead singer, Gerard Way, has a line of comics with DC now. Uh, it's called Young Animals. And that's kind of like when I look at that, it's definitely their lineup of it's almost like basically their lineup of like Vertigo themed, uh, you know, characters. It's, it's very much like that to me. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, Eternity Girls, is, Eternity Girl is one of those books. Uh, Dazzler, X-Song, Transformers and Visionaries, and uh, Quantum Teens Are Go. Which, uh, okay. Quantum, Teens, Quantum Teens Are Go is a good book, too. You should check that out. But yeah, definitely uh, you know, check it out. Teenage Wasteland uh, just came out this week. Man, my, my last book this week, man, uh, The Return of the Fantastic Four. Or so to not speak. The Return of the Fantastic Four. So to, so to speak. So yes. to speak. Uh, the book is called Fantastic Four. Fantastic Four number one, uh, we should say. But it seems to be leading to the return of the Fantastic Four, I'm not going to lie, or tell you how. But uh, but there are implications that there might be a reunion coming, maybe. This book is about, uh, it's about the journey of hope versus pessimism, and Johnny has hope and... Uh, and the thing is pessimistic and moving on with his life. And is there a possibility of the Fantastic Four returning? It's a very slow burn. Uh, it was not well received from my group of nerds. Uh, they were not fans of how slow this book was and um, and how wordy it was without actual Fantastic Four. But uh, to me, that was the most intriguing part. So I really liked it. Uh, but- yeah, and- your group of nerds are are your group of nerds your kids is that what you're telling me no no it's not the steambox students no although some although although some of them yeah uh my my xbox live when i am playing with the homies uh that a lot of the friends that i have on xbox live are comic book readers and in between winning PUBG matches and uh blowing up cars in rocket league the conversation always seems to stray uh, towards comic books, and that's where we're able to have a have some of these discussions. So they love the Amazing Spider-Man, where I didn't, and I loved Fantastic Four, where they didn't. Um, but I should also point out that whenever we're referring to the Fantastic Four, the most exciting part about the Fantastic Four to me has never been Johnny. It's never been the Thing. It's never been Sue Storm. It's never been Reed Richards. It's always been Dr. Doom. And this book has the return of Dr. Doom to form. Again, I'm still bitter about how short the run was and the storytelling was for his Iron Man because that was super fascinating to me. But uh, if if that story is going to die and I'm not going to get that, at least I get the return to form or return to some form of the Latvian ruler, Dr. Doom. The young cats are saying that it was it was too much too much slow burn too much reading whatever like i kind of get it it's it's it reminds me of like if you think about it chris claremont i if i look back and i read chris claremont books now i absolutely love them they're amazing but back when i was a kid and i'm reading x-men and it's chris claremont i'm like yo i'm like yo this this shit has too much words <laughs> Too much words. It's too slow. Where's the action? 
Right. Well, so I get it. I get it. But this was this to me was exactly what you said. It was a it was a slow burn. It was character building. It was giving us a lot of uh, a lot of the like the feeling behind when they do return, how much of a joy it's going to be for the characters in the Marvel Universe and for readers. I mean, I'll, I'm not going to lie when when uh, when Johnny Storm had his moment when he went up and he's shouting at Reed and he comes down. I didn't shed a tear. But I felt something. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I, yeah, was, like, I was like, oh, that, that hit me in the feels a little bit. And I was like, yo, like, I get it. Like, you know, that, that's family. And, it, and it's about family. And it's like you, you think about family members you may have lost or family members that, you know, have been, uh, you know, wayward, so to speak, or have gone, gone away and haven't been around for a while. Like, you, you feel that. You get that feeling from, from these two. And when the Yancey Street, Street Gang, you know, played their little prank <laughs> – I thought, yeah, I thought to myself, this is actually pretty classic. And like, you know, they're like, and when you talk to when they're talking to him, they're like, yeah, you're not going to burn us. You're just going to put us in the negative zone or something. I was like, that that's hilarious. Right. And it did feel it, it, it was hilarious and classic. And it still also felt particularly cruel. Right. Yes. Yeah. You were like, you were like, yo, these kids are dicks. Um, <laughs> but then, but then you have, uh, you know, Jen Walters, uh, you know, defending them and Ben Grimm paying for their defense. Right. Right. Because, because, you know, he knows their kids, their kids, they were doing something stupid. They don't deserve to be, you know, tried as adults, but they should learn a lesson from it. about it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's true to his character, which was, and I just, I thought Dan Slott did a really good job. Yeah. Just representing no, no, listen, you and I, you and I agree, and it seems, uh, and and we don't want to bore you with a podcast where we agree because it's not typical that you and I are agreeing. But you and I agree here. I must point out, just to play devil's advocate, I think it's totally fair where if they sell us a book called Fantastic Four, I think it's worth noting that the ratio of storytelling to actual Fantastic Four—that's what they sold us. That's what the book is called. If if you're looking for Fantastic Four in this book, classic Fantastic Four, uh, where you get Ben, Reed, Johnny, and uh, who'd I miss? Uh, Sue. And you have those four characters. To get, you're not going to get that here. That's just Did you not miss Sue or was she just invisible? That's <laughs> Sue was there all along, just invisible. And she can't <laughs> find her way out. She's like, hey, I'm over here. But we can't hear her for some reason. Uh, that's not true. I'm lying. Uh, <laughs> I, I think it's fair. I think it's fair that if some people wanted Fantastic Four and they got this book and they're upset that there was no Fantastic Four, well, that's fair. If you wanted Fantastic Four, that's not what you have here. You have a story revolving around the Fantastic Four that's leading up to the inevitable return of the Fantastic Four, but no Fantastic Four to be found here. So I can understand why some people uh, would be disappointed, but I definitely enjoyed the story. Even though, again, I gotta point out, I gotta point out that while Doctor Doom is taking his rightful mantle, they still pulled the rug out from under a really cool story that they were telling of Doctor Doom, and 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 they, this is another example of my disappointment because they don't let characters evolve; they keep Whoa. a classic character classic. Here's here's my here's my retort to that: we we don't know what Doctor Doom we're gonna get. I mean. Yeah, he's taking back his country, and yeah, he's being arrogant, and yes, he is saying it needs to be me that does this, right? And it's all me, me, me with Doom. 
However, we don't know like if he's like reverting back to his old self where he's just evil Doctor Doom. It's Freaky Friday. Maybe we're gonna get the uh, irredeemable Iron Man Doctor Doom, uh, and we'll have both of them somehow. You never know on Freaky Friday. <laughs> no, I'm just I'm just saying like you might you might actually have like some noble intentions from Doom going forward. Um, it doesn't necessarily mean he's going to be a bad guy, right? It's just we're getting the monarch um, of Latveria back because he's trying to save his people, it looks like. But I don't know, like, what the rest of that's going to look like. Dr. Doom is, he he's so badass now. This is savage Dr. Doom. He intends to walk into no shirts, no shoes, no service stores with no shirts and no shoes on. Why that, is he wearing no shoes? That's the one thing I didn't like is why is he wearing no shoes? Why is he wearing no shirt? Why is he all beat down like that? I don't get it. Like, I get that his face is screwed up. Yeah, I get that his face is screwed up. But, yeah, I'm sorry, man. I don't I don't understand that so much. Like, I'm not really, uh, I'm, not, I'm not getting that, that art choice. But whatever, man, whatever. Um, I, I, I'm still excited that he's back. I'm excited that, that the four is back. And, and shame on readers who don't get the fact that you can't just throw all four of them on the page at once when they've been gone for how long? I don't, I don't, but, but again, I can see that. I don't feel that. I don't, that's not my opinion on this book, but I can see that. If I buy a Spider-Man book without Spider-Man in it, well, you know no, what I mean? I'm not... Think about it though. Like it, if they were all on the page at once and everybody's like, well, how the hell did they get there? Like, I mean, let's figure out how they got back. We got to yeah, see no, them. I'm, we got to I'm, see them. I'm I'm with you. I'm with you. Yeah. But this particular book, this one book, there's no Fantastic Four. FYI, spoiler alert, no Fantastic Four. Yeah, they'll be in number two, though. Uh, the, the Impossible Man got a letter from uh, the post office that said so. Oh, well, there you go. There you go. But yeah, no, it's, I, I love the book. I thought it was great. I'm glad you and I agree on that. Uh, again, we're not going to sit here and stroke each other off for the audience because that's boring i'm looking forward to i'm looking forward to number two no doubt me too did you have a do you have another book this week that's i'm i'm out that's that's my list that was the last book on my list so uh so how about a shout out uh shout out to brian hill uh writer of the spider-man annual for bringing me back from the abyss that i was about to throw myself into after picking up an annual so, so shout out to Brian Hill for doing a great job and giving a good voice uh, post Bendis to Miles Morales and to Uncle Aaron. Hey, I got uh, I got two. Uh, I put a lot of emotional stock into Marvel. Always have. I always feel like I'm I like I'm a stockholder of Marvel, even though I don't literally own any stock in Marvel. Yep. Uh, I've you know I've been a Marvel fanboy, and if anybody, if any of our listeners are like, oh, that's not fair, he's biased towards Marvel. Yup. I am. I, I try to be fair. I try to be fair. Uh, but but I've grown. I've grown up a Marvel fan, uh, and I hope that all the books I read are successful because I want all my books and movies and all that stuff to be good. But I'm definitely a Marvel fan. No joke. No joke. Uh, I was really disappointed about the James Gunn thing. Uh, I don't want to get into it. I'm definitely not going to defend those shitty tweets that James Gunn wrote. You know, right. years ago. But the decision uh, was disproportionate. We might have even already talked about it on this show. Uh, has been a champion for him 
and almost threatening, even threatening to quit if they don't use his script. And I feel like if they use his script, they have to use him. So I think he's pseudo saying you need James Gunn or else I'm out. Uh, and, and, and I've really appreciated that. I can't help but be disappointed in people who aren't, you know, uh, who are involved and not pushing as hard. Right. Uh, I don't want to say any names, Chris Pratt. Uh, but, but it seems <laughs> like, it seems like yesterday, uh, the company Marvel, right. They, they went to Disney and they were like, yo, we want to make this movie still with James Gunn. We understand that we work for you. We understand the Disney buyout and all that stuff, but it seems like Marvel took somewhat of a stand yesterday and advocated for James Gunn. Um, and that is super cool to me. That is, that makes me feel good because it's, it's gotta be hard as a company, particularly a company that's owned by Disney to stand up to Disney and say, Hey, we think you did the wrong thing. Um, yes. Please reconsider. Uh, and it's, it's apparently that's what happened yesterday. It's rumors. It's widely reported rumors, but it's rumors. Uh, but it makes me proud to be a Marvel fan. You know, on that note, I want to give a shout out to the WB and I know that's who it is. Uh, they can try to hide it all they want for, for wanting to, to, to swoop in and vulture up James Gunn in all this, in all this turmoil. They can't say that that's who it is. I know that's who it is. Um, and it, to me, that puts a little bit of pressure on Disney to, to shit or get off the pot. Um, when you hear these people coming out and saying, Hey, you don't want them. We'll take them. <laughs> right. Yeah, man, like, right. Right. I want, I want my guardians of the galaxy three told through the James Gunn, uh, vision before I want Lobo. Although him making a Lobo movie, how badass would that be? Give me my damn Guardians of the Galaxy three. But but here's but here's my dream. If he goes to if he goes to DC, who would be better suited for a Green Lantern movie or a Green Lantern Corps movie than James Gunn? That's neither here nor there. It's like you said. It's either James Gunn or bust on Guardians three. I'm going on record right now uh, to say I may. I may continue to watch Phase Four, but I will not watch Guardians Three if it's not directed by James Gunn. I'd be lying if I said that that was true for me, but but it would be bittersweet, man, no doubt. Like I'd I'd make a mean face about it. <laughs> I'd make a mean face about it the whole time. Also, uh, my other shout outs to Ruby Rose. Uh, she just got cast as uh, Bat Batgirl, Batwoman. Boom. Bat Say again. Boom! It's Batwoman. Yep. Great. Well, it, it seems like a perfect casting choice. I know it's some DC stuff, and I know it's their TV, which for me has been hit or miss. Um, more hits than their movies, more consistent hits than their movies, no doubt. But uh, but yeah, it seems like it seems like they cast it perfectly. So much so that she actually has weird origins of like pretending to be a superhero and having like uh, like cardboard capes. I was watching her tell this story on, on a night show the other night. And uh, and also that her mom used to collect bats. Like her mom had living bats in the house that she would nurse and recuperate to health. And it's it's all like some really weird synergy, serendipitous, perfect form that she's Batwoman. So I'm kind of excited about that. Yeah, it's, it's pretty cool, man. I, I am souped for that. I think they got a great, a great action star. Uh, I don't know if you've seen uh, Ruby Rose in... John Wick 2 or um, oh, yeah. I forgot about that. I forgot. Yeah, I haven't seen the Meg. Yet, but I definitely saw John Wick 2. 
and Triple X, the return of Xander Cage, uh, was Ruby Rose is a great choice, man. It's a great choice for this for this role. Uh, I was worried that you know they were just going to try and pigeon pigeonhole like just any like out lesbian actress um, into this just to make sure that it, that's like you know the one criteria that they were trying to meet. But they went all out and they got somebody who had the physical capability to actually play this character. And I, I'm all for it. I am so pumped to see this. Yeah, that's, that should be exciting. So, uh, yeah, man. So we love Wednesdays every Thursday here on Freaky Friday. Yo, and uh, check us out every week. I can't tell you what day it's going to be on, but it's going to be one of them. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, just, just stay tuned. <laughs> just, just follow us on Twitter, and you'll know exactly when we post. Bye. All right, peace. It's bizarre to the point that it just hooked me. Uh, the the dialogue is actually really, you know, spot on, uh, exciting, and it's and again, you know, Stellaria is like killing it with the colors uh, and making it just a very vibrant and uh, and fun book to read. So I just wanted to definitely put that on your radar. Um, and if you want to talk about like inclusivity, <laughs> this book just has it all, man. All right, I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to check. Who published? Uh, this is by Comicsology. Comicsology is uh, putting out their own books now. Uh, if you don't know what Comicsology is, it's a digital platform for comics. You can just you know subscribe to whatever comics you want. Uh, 
comics generally cost about what they cost in the store, uh, but you can get them digitally and have them downloaded straight to your 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 mobile device um, using the app. And the app actually has like a guided presentation. So when you tap on a on a panel, it'll actually guide you to the next panel and fill in the words as you're supposed to read them. So it's almost like watching your comic instead of reading it. Um, so it's it's pretty cool. It's a pretty cool thing. Uh, and they and this is their own line of books um, <clears throat> called Comicsology Originals. I will have to check that out. Yep, definitely dope. Um, I, I I wouldn't pass on it. The um, the the lineup, the creative lineup, is Magdalene Visaggio, uh, Jen Vaughn, and Stelladia. Uh, <clears throat> so uh magdalene visaggio is actually someone who's who's written uh kim and kim which if if you haven't read is pretty cool um eternity girl for vertigo yep um or the D, that dc uh i think it's young animals actually now instead of vertigo but um it's uh the my chemical romance lead singer gerard way has a line of comics with dc now uh it's called young animals and that's kind of like when I look at that, it's definitely their lineup of. It's almost like basically their lineup of like Vertigo themed, uh, you know, characters. It's it's very much like that to me. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, Eternity Girls is uh, Eternity Girl is one of those books. Uh, Dazzler X Song, Transformers and Visionary, Visionaries, and uh, Quantum Teens are Go. Which uh, Quantum Teens Quantum Teens are Go is a good book too. You should check that out. But yeah, definitely. Uh, you know, check it out. Teenage Wasteland uh, just came out this week. Man, my my last book this week, man. Uh, the Return of the Fantastic Four. Or so to not speak. the Return of the Fantastic Four. So to, so to speak. So yeah. to speak. Uh, the book is called Fantastic Four. Fantastic Four number one, uh, we should say. But it seems to be leading to the Return of the Fantastic Four. I'm not going to lie, or tell you how, but. Uh, but there are implications that there might be a reunion coming, maybe. This book is about, uh, it's about the journey of hope versus pessimism, and Johnny has hope, and, uh, and the thing is pessimistic and moving on with his life, and is there a possibility of the Fantastic Four returning? It's a very slow burn. Uh, it was not well received from my group of nerds, uh, they were not fans of how slow this book was and um, and how wordy it was without actual Fantastic Four. But uh, to me, that was the most intriguing part. So I really liked it. Uh, but yeah, and we're, we're your group about... of nerds, are, are your group of nerds your kids? Is that what you're telling me? No, no, it's not the Steambox students. No, oh. although some, although although some of them, yeah, I'm, uh, my my Xbox Live when I am playing with the homies. Uh, that a lot of the friends that I have on Xbox Live are comic book readers, and in between winning PUBG matches and uh, blowing up cars in Rocket League, the conversation always seems to stray uh, towards comic books, and that's where we're able to have a have some of these discussions. So they love the Amazing Spider-Man where I didn't, and I loved Fantastic Four where they didn't. Um, but I should also point out that whenever we're referring to the Fantastic Four, the most exciting part about the Fantastic Four to me has never been Johnny 
It's never been the thing. It's never been Sue Storm. It's never been Reed Richards. It's always been Dr. Doom. And this book has the return of Dr. Doom to form. Again, I'm still bitter about how short the run was and the storytelling was for his Iron Man because that was super fascinating to me. But uh, if if that story is going to die and I'm not going to get that, at least I get the return to form or return to some form of the Latvian ruler, Dr. Doom. Yeah, like I get, I kind of get it. Like if the young, if the young cats are saying that it was, it was too much, too much slow burn, too much reading, whatever. Like I kind of get it. It's, it's, it reminds me of like, if you think about it, Chris Claremont, if I look back and I read Chris Claremont books now, I absolutely love them. They're amazing. But back when I was a kid and I'm reading X-Men and it's Chris Claremont, I'm like, yo, I'm like, yo, this, this shit has too much words. <laughs> it has too much words. It's too slow. Where's the action? Right. Well, so I get it. I get it. But this was, this to me was exactly what you said. It, it was a, it was a slow burn. It was character building. It was giving us a lot of, uh, a lot of the, like the feeling behind when they do return, how much of a joy it's going to be for the characters in the Marvel universe and for readers. I mean, I'll, I'm not going to lie. When, when, uh, when Johnny Storm had his moment, when he went up and he's shouting at Reed and he comes down, I didn't shed a tear, but I felt something. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I, yeah, was, that- like, I was like, oh, that, that hit me in the feels a little bit. And I was like, yo, like, I get it. Like, you know, that, that's family. And, it, and it's about family. And it's like you, you think about family members you may have lost or family members that, you know, have been, uh, you know, wayward, so to speak, or have gone gone away and haven't been around for a while like you you feel that you get that feeling from from these two and when the yancey street street gang you know played their little prank i thought yeah i thought to myself this is actually pretty classic and like you know they're like and when you talk to when they're talking to him they're like yeah you're not gonna burn us you're just gonna put us in the negative zone or something i was like that that's hilarious right and it did feel it it, it was hilarious and classic and it still also felt particularly cruel right yes yeah, you were like, you were like, yo, these kids are dicks. Um, <laughs> but then, but then you have, uh, you know, Jen Walters, uh, you know, defending them and Ben Grimm paying for their defense. Right. Right. Because because you know he knows their kids, their kids. They were doing something stupid. They don't deserve to be, you know, tried as adults. But they should learn a lesson from it. I heard about it. Right, yeah, yeah, and that's that's true to his character, which was, and I just I thought Dan Slott did a really good job. Yeah, representing no listen, you and I, you and I agree, and it seems, uh, and and we don't want to bore you with a podcast where we agree because it's not typical that you and I are agreeing, but you and I agree here. I must point out, just to play devil's advocate, I think it's totally fair where if they sell us a book called Fantastic Four, the ratio of words and story to actual fantastic four uh, if give me one sec rob give me give me one sec rob one sec hey hi how's it going thanks so much excellent thank you I just needs to eat dinner tonight and then we should be good all right perfect all right, thank all right. You, i appreciate it you're welcome bye hello yeah ready i'm, I'm gonna edit that so go ahead i'm okay. sorry i had i had a uh a drop off for a dog yeah 
So go ahead. I think it's worth noting that the ratio of storytelling to actual Fantastic Four, that's what they sold us. That's what the book is called. If, if you're looking for Fantastic Four in this book, classic Fantastic Four, uh, where you get Ben, Reed, Johnny, and uh, who did I miss? Uh, Sue. And you have those four characters. To get, you're not going to get that here. That's just did you not. Miss Sue, my... or was she just invisible? That's <laughs> Sue was there all along, just invisible, and she can't <laughs> find her way out. She's like, "Hey, I'm over here," but we can't hear her for some reason. Uh, that's not true. I'm lying. Uh, <laughs> I, I think it's fair. I think it's fair that if some people wanted Fantastic Four and they got this book and they're upset that there was no Fantastic Four, well, that's fair. If you wanted Fantastic Four, that's not what you have here. You have a story revolving around the Fantastic Four that's leading up to the inevitable return of the Fantastic Four, but no Fantastic Four to be found here. So I can understand why some people uh, would be disappointed, but I definitely enjoyed the story, even though, again, I got to point out, I got to point out that while Doctor Doom is taking his rightful mantle, they still pulled the rug out from under a really cool story that they were telling of Dr. Doom. And, and, and they, this is another example of my disappointment because they don't let characters evolve. They keep Whoa. a classic character classic. Here's, here's, my, here's my retort to that. We, we don't know what Dr. Doom we're going to get. I mean, yeah, he's taking back his country. And yeah, he's being arrogant. And yes... He is saying it needs to be me that does this, right? And it's all me, me, me with Doom. However, we don't know, like, if he's, like, reverting back to his old self where he's just evil Dr. Doom, right? Yeah, he could or, still, he could still again, have, like, some very Friday. low... Go ahead. It's Freaky Friday. Maybe we're going to get the uh, irredeemable Iron Man Dr. Doom, uh, and we'll have both of them somehow. You never know on Freaky Friday. No, I'm just, I'm just saying, like you might, you might actually have like some noble intentions from Doom going forward. Um, it doesn't necessarily mean he's going to be a bad guy, right? It's just we're getting the monarch um, of Latveria back because he's trying to save his people. It looks like, but I don't know, like what the rest of that's going to look like. He could be he rejects all shoes. Doctor Doom is he? He's so badass now. This is Savage Doctor Doom. He intends to walk into no shirts, no shoes, no service stores with no shirts and no shoes on. Why that, is he wearing no? That's the one thing I didn't like. Is why is he wearing no shoes? Why is he wearing no shirt? Why is he all beat down like that? I don't get it. Like I get that his face is screwed up. Yeah, I get that his face is screwed up, but yeah, I'm sorry, man. I don't, I don't understand that so much. Like I'm not really. Uh, I'm not, I'm not getting that that art choice, but whatever, man, whatever. Um, I, I I'm still excited that he's back. I'm excited that that the four is back. And and shame on readers who don't get the fact that you can't just throw all four of them on the page at once when they've been gone for how long. I don't. I don't. But but again, I can see that. I don't feel that. I don't. That's not my opinion on this book. But I can see that if I buy a Spider Man book without Spider Man in it. Well, you know no, what I mean? I'm... Think about it though. Like, it, if they were all on the page at once, and everybody's like, "Well, how the hell did they get there?" Like, I mean, let's figure out how they got back. We got to yeah, see no, them. I'm, we got to I'm, see them. I'm, I'm with you. I'm with you. Yeah. But this particular book, this one book, there's no Fantastic Four. FYI, spoiler alert: no Fantastic Four. Yeah, they'll be in number two though. Uh, the, the Impossible Man got a letter from uh, the post office. 
that said so. Oh, well, there you go. There you go. Did, did you read that? No. Oh, yeah. 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 There was a there was a, a final page drawn by Scotty Young, who I absolutely love. Uh, he does like all the the uh, baby Marvel characters um, and the uh, Wizard of Oz stuff. And, he, and his creator own book is actually uh, we I hate fairyland, which is great. I love I hate fairyland. Fairyland. It's a good book. But anyway, uh, there's a there's a backup page where the Impossible Man's complaining that the um, the Fantastic Four are not in the book. Like, why are they not together? And, and he gets a letter. Watch. A letter that says they'll be they'll be in number two, and he's like, oh, all right. Well, I've waited this long. I guess I can wait. You know, one more month. So I'm yeah. Like, cool. Um, but yeah, no, I, I love the book. I thought it was great. I'm glad you and I agree on that. Uh, again, we're not going to sit here and stroke each other off for the audience because that's boring. I'm looking well, forward to no, I'm looking forward to number two, no yes, doubt. Me too. Did, did you have a Do you have another book this week? That's I'm I'm out. That's that's my list. That was the last book on my list. So uh, so how about a shout out? Uh, shout out to Brian Hill, uh, writer of the Spider Man Annual, for bringing me back from the abyss that I was about to throw myself into after picking up an annual. So, so shout out to Brian Hill for doing a great job and giving a good voice uh, post-Bendis to Miles Morales and to Uncle Aaron. Hey, I got, uh, I got two. Uh, I put a lot of emotional stock into Marvel, always have. I always feel like I'm, I, like I'm a stockholder of Marvel, even though I don't literally own any stock in Marvel. Yep. Uh, I've, you know, I've been a Marvel fanboy, and if anybody, if any of our listeners are like, oh, that's not fair, he's biased towards Marvel, yup, I am, I, I try to be fair, I try to be fair, uh, but, but I've grown, I've grown up a Marvel fan, uh, and I hope that all the books I read are successful, because I want all my books and movies and all that stuff to be good, but I'm definitely a Marvel fan, no joke, no joke, uh, I was really disappointed about the James Gunn thing, uh, I don't want to get into it, I'm definitely not going to defend those shitty tweets that James Gunn wrote, you know, right. years ago, but the decision uh, was disproportionate. We might have even already talked about it on this show. Uh, has been a champion for him and almost threatening, even threatening to quit if they don't use his script. And I feel like if they use his script, they have to use him. So I think he's pseudo saying you need James Gunn or else I'm out. Uh, and, and, and I've really appreciated that. I can't help but be disappointed in people who aren't you know, uh, who are involved and not pushing as hard, right? Uh, I don't want to say any names, Chris Pratt. Uh, but but it seems <laughs> like it seems like yesterday, uh, the company Marvel, right? They they went to Disney and they were like, yo, we want to make this movie still with James Gunn. We understand that we work for you. We understand the Disney buyout and all that stuff. But it seems like Marvel took somewhat of a stand yesterday and advocated for James Gunn. Um, and that is super cool to me. That is, that makes me feel good because it's, it's gotta be hard as a company, particularly a company that's owned by Disney to stand up to Disney and say, Hey, we think you did the wrong thing. Um, yes. please reconsider. Uh, and it's, it's apparently that's what happened yesterday. It's rumors. It's widely reported rumors, but it's rumors. Uh, but it makes me proud to be a Marvel fan. You know, uh, I, on that note, I want to give a shout out to the, on that note, I want to give a shout out to the WB, and I know that's who it is. Uh, they can try to hide it all they want, 
for for wanting to 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 swoop in and vulture up James Gunn in all this in all this turmoil. They can't say that that's who it is. I know that's who it is, um, and it to me that puts a little bit of pressure on Disney to to shit or get off the pot. Um, when you hear these people coming out and saying, "Hey, you don't want them, we'll take them," <laughs> right? Yeah, man. Like, right, right. I want, I want my Guardians of the Galaxy three told through the James Gunn uh, vision before I want Lobo. Although him making a Lobo movie, how badass would that be? <laughs> that would be ridiculous. It would be ridiculous. Give me my damn Guardians of the Galaxy three. But, but here's, but here's my dream. If he goes to, if he goes to DC. Who would be better suited for a Green Lantern movie or a Green Lantern Corps movie than James Gunn? Yeah, that's uh, what I want. But but I, that's neither here nor there. It's like you said. It's either James Gunn or bust on Guardians Three. I'm going on record right now uh, to say I may I may continue to watch Phase Four, but I will not watch Guardians Three if it's not directed by James Gunn. I'd be lying if I said that that was true for me, but but it would be bittersweet, man, no doubt. Like I'd I'd make a mean face about it. <laughs> I'd make a mean face about it the whole time. No, I'd be I'd be waiting. I would watch it, but I'd be waiting for I'd be waiting for Netflix. Also, uh my other shout outs to Ruby Rose. Uh she just got cast as uh Bat Batgirl, Batwoman. Boom. Say again. Boom, it's Batwoman. Yep. Great. What it it seems like a perfect casting choice. I know it's some DC stuff and I know it's their TV, which for me has been hit or miss. Um, more hits than their movies, more consistent hits than their movies, no doubt. But uh, but yeah, it seems like it seems like they cast it perfectly. So much so that she actually has weird origins of like pretending to be a superhero and having like uh like cardboard capes. I was watching her tell this story on, on a night show the other night. And uh, and also that her mom used to collect bats. Like her mom had living bats in the house that she would nurse and recuperate to health. And it's it's all like some really weird synergy, serendipitous, perfect form that she's Batwoman. So I'm kind of excited about that. Yeah, it's it's pretty cool, man. I, I am souped for that. I think they got a great a great action star. Um, I don't know if you've seen uh, Ruby Rose in. John Wick 2 or um, I forgot about that. I forgot. Yeah, I haven't seen the Meg Triple X John Wick 2. And Triple X the Return of Xander Cage uh, was Ruby Rose is a great choice, man. It's a great choice for this for this role. Uh, I was worried that you know they were just going to try and pigeon pigeonhole like just any like out lesbian actress. Um into this just to make sure that it, that's like you know the one criteria that they were trying to meet but they went all out and they got somebody who had the physical capability to actually play this character and i i'm all for it i am so pumped to see this yeah that's that should be exciting so uh yeah man so we love wednesdays every thursday here on freaky friday yo and uh check us out every week i can't tell you what day it's going to be on but it's going to be one of them so yeah uh, just, stay tuned. <laughs> just just follow us on Twitter and you'll know exactly when we post. That's that's it. That's really awkward now. Are are you done? I just want to say uh bye. All right, peace.